Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. My name is Greg, and we have a very, very special guest today from my hometown of Montreal. His first season was in the beautiful Club Med of Sonora Bay, Mexico, in the summer of 1998, where he was the entertainer slash DJ. You all know him. He's very famous. Everyone, I'd like to give a warm, warm welcome, a very warm My First Season welcome from Montreal, Mr. Cristo. Cristo, come on, ça va? Yes. I'm always imagining this big crowd in my head when you say, give a big round of applause. <laughs> Everybody goes, shh. But, but they might be one of your listeners that is alone in his car and goes, yeah, all right, yeah, I like him, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. Our, our past never crossed in Club Med, but your name did come up on another uh, episode, Gonzo, when I asked, like, who was, like, like the funniest animator or the funniest passage and he couldn't not stop talking about you okay so uh, and then uh he put me in contact with you i reached out to you and you were very very kind enough to come on the show so i want to thank very you very happy very happy i was expecting this moment to meet you gonzo is a real friend and i remember good memories with this guy uh, very very uh geo très attachant and you, Greg, I've been interested by your podcast. I've been listening to the, all the other episodes, and uh, you're, uh, I'm, your, I'm your fan now, you know? You have a beautiful uh, radio voice. Uh, we, uh, on s'attache, Mr. Greg. Ah, yes. well, thank you, you. You should think eventually about some merch, like a first season T-shirt, maybe a sun, sunscreen oil, the, the Greg <laughs> sunscreen first okay. season. I, I have been thinking of an iPhone, <laughs> iPhone, iPhone case, you know? <laughs> ah, okay, not the iPhone. You want to go like just for the case and then just upgrade. The case. That's okay. right. <laughs> that, that's good. Well, sir, oh. uh, you know how this works. If you could take me back into in time, like where were you? What the heck were you doing? Were you going to school? Were you working? Uh, and how did you find out about Club Med for the first time? Club Med in my life is probably some of my best souvenirs, like one of my greatest experience. But I first started as a GM. My parents discovered Club Med. And after they first got to Club Med, they never went to any other kind of resorts or any other type of holidays. And I was pretty lucky to uh, go with them when I was maybe 14 or 15, back at the end of the 80s, when oh. I had my uh, long hairs in the, in the neck with my little um, teenager mustache, you know, like so, the mustache molle. So you were, te you were teen club? I was a, no, I was not a teen club because at that time, First Village was Huatulco and oh. there was no setup for teenagers. So you just let them go by themselves like, oh, we will find you back at lunch. <laughs> there was no, uh, how do you say that? organisation pour les adolescents. So I was uh, living that type of young adult life. And it was a real great experience because I remember I always wanted to get part of everything like, uh, okay, today it's, today it's the Olympics. And after that, we're going to be doing the GM show. And I was uh, rehearsing my crazy sign alone in my room so I can get ready. And no. uh, I, really? was, I was really, uh, I really took the adventure of Clamed uh, really like intensively. And um, at the end of, uh, of the holiday, I, I remember that I was, crying in the bus like waving my hand through the window and saying goodbye to the geos and trying not to cry because you, you, you want to stay strong but <laughs> you, I really got to say that I was really really uh, really sad and uh, totally uh, I gotta say I was destroyed <laughs> to leave and go back home but when I was coming back home I was so happy to show my tan to my friends and to tell them about my club med adventure that was so cool and I remember that I have 
a picture of me being on the flying trapeze. That was one of my fittish pictures that I've shown to everybody in the school, to all the teachers to say, look, this is me. Uh, yes, yes, I'm a circus artist, like you can see on the picture. So probably with the Instagram or Facebook era, I would have put this picture on Facebook. We share it all the time. But uh, at this moment, I had to make some uh, photocopy uh, black and white and uh, distribute myself. Oh, yeah, that, so was the, I, that was the original Instagram, right? You just that was the original. Photo. Yeah, and, you make some photocopy yeah. and then you drop it in every lockers of your friend. At yeah, school. yeah. And so the girls and the girls said they liked it or they didn't like it. You know, there yes, was no. They have, yes, they have okay. to come to you and tell you right in the ear like, oh, yes, I give you a like on that picture. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So this is how it started. So I, uh, I was first a GM. Yes, we went to what I remember going to Playa Blanca, also going to Martinique. Whoa. And, uh, th that was beautiful memories because um, I went back to Martinique like a few uh, years ago. And I remember like all the souvenirs in the same spot that some haven't changed that you say, oh, I remember at that time I was here with those people. So a lot of good souvenirs. And then... For my, uh, my geo experience, it's at the end of the 90s, I was going to a comedy school in Montreal. They call it École de l'Humour. So basically, they are training some future stand-up comedian. And at that time, I was maybe around 22 years, I don't remember, in the beginning of the 20s. And I think I had uh, some... Uh, uh, how am I going to say it very clearly? I, I was not going to all my classes. So I had a warning to say like, you need to go to class if you want to get your diploma. And also they were training some comedians. So you needed to learn all your texts. But I was more of a spontaneous guy that liked improv and everything. So finally, the school told me it's not going to go until the end for you. You are dismissed and you're out. So I was really, really sad. I didn't want to tell my father because he was the one that was paying for the school. So I remember being in my car during daytime with my lunch just to pretend that I was at school because I couldn't afford the saying to my father that I got kicked out. And one day he called the school and he learned by himself that I was out of school. And it's at this moment that he tell me, you're going for a new job tonight. I don't care. Not tomorrow morning. Tonight, you're going to the commercial center and you're getting yourself a job. So uh, my comedy dream was totally broke because <laughs> I've been hired in a boutique that was selling some uh, men's underwear. <laughs> they call it Calson Vogu. So I've dropped from a big comedy dream uh, superstar to a salesman that was selling underwear at the, the supermarket. So are you there, oh, Greg? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Okay, so this this story just got worse. I thought you were in a nice uh, boutique on St. Catherine. So you're saying you're selling them in a supermarket? Total, totally, not a supermarket, like a commercial oh. center. Oh, okay, oh, okay, <laughs> even even better. All right. Um, okay, so wow, it, it wasn't a nice boutique on St. Catherine, but I was selling some men's underwear in a boutique in a commercial center. And, and, let, and let me guess, I think, it, so this is where you had a moment of, ah, you decided I could sell underwear the rest of my life, or should I? Should I apply to Club Med? Did the, the, are we there yet or no? Mm, we are getting there like very closely. I was a little bit uh, tired and my life was uh, totally in the shadow selling some, some underwear. But the real part is that I was living in the basement at my dad's house <laughs> and he was really telling me 
can you please move on with your life? Because he had a new girlfriend at this moment. And I think it was like almost putting some food to the ceiling. I was living in the basement. And my father, even if he had a lot of love, he was like, could you please move on with your life and find a, a destiny that makes sense? And this is, uh, and it's at this moment that I remember that I, at Clomet, there was some entertainer. So I went for an interview, applied. And I remember that during the interview, they really asked me, would you be ready to leave like right now? And I was like, right now, like I'm going to go get toothbrush at least. And I'm going to go say to my boss at the underwear that I'm quitting, you know, maybe not right now, but they told me right now, would you be ready to leave like instantly, like anytime uh, in the next days? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my father is going to be happy and I'm going to be happy too. So uh, anytime you're ready. And I think that two or three days later, phone rang and it was Club Med that was calling me to tell me that they were sending me to Playa Blanca village for a two week okay. stop. Can I, can I back you up a bit? Cause yeah. you're leaving out some very important details. So where, where did you apply? Was it in Montreal? Was it in New York? Was it in Miami? How did you know where to apply? First of all, because we're talking about the late nineties and it wasn't so easy. So how did you find out there was no internet? I tell you, Greg, uh... It's okay if you don't remember. I remember it was in Montreal. Okay, where was where, it by fax or did I send it a page my and pigeon? they call me back? Pigeon? Okay. <laughs> my carrier pigeon? Uh, maybe a pigeon voyageur, <laughs> yes, in the 90s. But I remember that it was a real uh, face-to-face meeting. Where? Where? In a hotel? I think it was, yes, in a, in a okay. hotel. Now, did they make you tell I'm, a I'm joke? I'm looking in my head. Was it in an hotel room? No, it no, wasn't no, in no. an hotel room. It was, was Harvey Weinstein there? No. Was, <laughs> what, did they make you tell jokes? Did you have to go on stage? What, what did they make you do? Did uh, you... I remember that I had a lot of questions to answer, but with my spontaneous uh, answers and all my energy, I think they, they, they got the guy. They say, yeah, you're the one. But I think I had to perform a, a little presentation, but... In my souvenir, I can't remember exactly this. Okay, no problem. I, I, I have the, the souvenir that it was some questions. And uh, I know that Clement also said they want to make sure that uh, you, you understand the engagement that it's uh, you're going to be leaving your family. You're going to be away for a lot of months. Uh, and all this was... Uh, no that day suit, off. Suit me perfect. I was ready for adventure at this moment. Okay. And you said you got a phone call just a few days later, right? Phone call a few days later is to tell me, uh, you're on, you're going straight to Playa Blanca for a two-week stage, and then you're going to be sended with a new chief of the village, his name is Hammer, and uh, you're going to be making a six-month season at Sonora Bay in the desert of Mexico, so, oh, wow, that sounds totally magic, so uh, I was very, very excited, and I remember that I've made my luggage, said bye to everyone. At this time, I had a girlfriend at home and I was totally heartbroken to say, God, I'm leaving for Club Med. And it's a, that was a, a pretty tough moment to say that I was leaving for months. And I remember at the airport, she came into, um, to, uh, to me reconduire à l'aéroport. And I remember being on the other side of the window crying and we've put hands to hands to say, maybe we're going to see each other another time when I come back. And it was something very, very uh, heartbreaking. And it's not like if I was uh, leaving for Iraq or on a very dangerous mission, I was leaving uh, for a, a beach and a club med experience party mission. So uh, 
Look, she had nothing to worry uh, yeah. about. You were you were going to a very big singles village called Playa Blanca for two weeks. She Playa had not, nothing. She had nothing to worry well, about. It <laughs> okay. was Sorry. nothing to worry about. It was a legendary <laughs> yeah, village. I, I, almost, I almost said that without laughing. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> hey. So it's because that you were, because it's not common. Like your first season, you get sent on a stage first. Is it because you were going for the entertainer DJ position that they sent you for training? I remember that um, I had to be trained for DJ and I had to be trained for entertainer as well because they they had to teach me like the... <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, Greg. Okay, okay. We're going to go for a pause. Okay. <laughs> I remember that you did. Sometimes you have some, uh, uh, but I'm totally not in the awe. Uh. It's just that I'm looking for my English words. And sometimes oh, it's oh. the English that is getting tough, not the idea of where I want to go. <laughs> hey, you, you can say in French and I can maybe translate. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's going to be more French that's okay. going to be dropped in the interview. Well, when you say entertainer, do you mean animateur? Were you the animator? Were you the guy yes, making us the- laugh? I, animateur, yes, I like okay. this very exotic way you say it. Okay. I was the animateur, and there was an animateur that was already in place there that was like my mentor that needed to train me. And yes. I remember this guy, very funny man, his name was Adrenaline. Oh, yes. And we, we never knew about his real name, like maybe he was a Sylvain or something yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> very basic. I'm sorry for all the Sylvain, but uh, yeah, yeah. Adrenaline, pre- pretty rock for an entertainer. And a very sharp guy. And I I remember that when I dropped off the plane, it was a chef de village. It was a girl. Her name was Uria, a very, very uh, nice, uh, gentle woman that picked me up personally at the airport and brought me like in a a personal ride with her car and is a private chauffeur. So at the moment that I stepped in the Club Med universe as a GO, I was so well treated, like uh, my name was on a little cardboard. And when she introduced, she said, yes, I'm the chef de village. And I came personally to pick you up. So I was very, very happy. And I felt very uh, welcome. <laughs> when I was sent to my room, it wasn't the chef's anymore. It was like a geo girl. I think and she was a little bit tired at that day because she put my luggage in the room and she told me, see you at the bar at seven <laughs> and closed the door. <laughs> and, and I was really shy to say, what's going to happen at the bar at seven? Do I have to make a show? Uh, I remember that I was really, really nervous to show up because, uh, you know, when you have to make people laugh and you have that kind of contract, it's, um, it's always very... It, it gets you very, very nervous sometimes. Sure. More and more you do, uh, more you perform, more you, you control yes. and this uh, nervo- nervo- la nervosité and the anxiety. But at this moment, I remember that I was very, very nervous. And uh, when I show up at the bar, this, this gentleman, Adrenaline, was there making like a kind of bar game with the microphone. And I remember he was making like a position game thing where people uh, had to make some couple position, like position number one. So you hold your girlfriend in their arms. And it was uh, pretty um, outgoing and uh, sportive. Everybody was moving and jumping. So there there was a lot of uh, action going on by the bar. And he told me, uh, you're going to be the one that's going to be doing this uh, tomorrow on the microphone and everything. So I was uh, really nervous. And I remember that my first uh, passage, he told me you're gonna go, <laughs> you're gonna go deliver a pizza at everybody that's in, that is in the bleacher of the circus. And I told them, okay, and where are we gonna buy the pizza? And he told me there, there's no real pizza. It's a box with pizza domino, and you're gonna go uh, see them and ask who ordered the pizza. Okay, and who 
ordered the pizza. <laughs> Nobody ordered the pizza. You're just going to pretend that you're the delivery guy and then you're going to ask people if someone <laughs> ordered the pizza. Did you and have a, did, sorry, did you have a, a uniform, like a pizza delivery uniform? It was the Domino guy, man, the Domino. But did you, have the, do, did you have the Domino shirt on? The Domino shirt, and we're gonna have the. I okay. had also the Domino cap, and oh, ah, okay, okay. Did I have the Domino car? No, <laughs> no, no, no Domino car. <laughs> Maybe the Domino boat. But I remember that my first passage was to uh, go deliver a fake pizza to the guests, and after that, this uh, kind of uh, wise man, Martin Adrenaline, taught me about all the passage that have been. Um, shared the true time because all the animator and entertainer to Clomed, I think that there's a Bible that exists that, uh, that are kinds of classics that have been uh, shared to entertainer to others, but it's always legendary because normally we don't meet each other. It's always a guest that's going to tell us, uh, oh, I remember one time I've seen this guy. He was crazy. He was doing this thing. And then you go, oh yeah, that's a very creative thing. And then you will start doing on your own. So Entertainer will share their creativity and ideas, but always through témoignage of other guests that have seen the entertainer. But um, with Adrenaline, I remember that he taught me all the ancient classic tricks of Clomet that probably don't, don't exist anymore. I remember that I listened to one of your podcasts with LP that was the policeman chase, chasing a naked guy. I think it's part of the initiation of Clomet. You, you have to run naked at that time to say, we're going to do the policeman that's going to be chasing the naked guy. And uh, which character am I playing? Oh, you're going to be the naked guy. So <laughs> <laughs> don't even think about being the policeman when it's your yeah. first season. You always start yeah. with being the naked guy. Whether you're comfortable with your body or not, you're going. Right? Okay. Yeah, but remember, Greg, I saw your picture too. Uh, <laughs> with all your oil texture, pectorals. We were young. We were tight. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> We were not afraid of be running. Responsable, keeping it tight. Yes, that was me. <laughs> Responsable, yes. And uh, there was all kinds of classic, like a famous uh, palm tree uh, feather that you will just uh, tinkle the ear of a guest that always think that it's a mosquito. And then he would go like, is it a mosquito? And I remember that I can do this like for a complete week on the same guy. <laughs> even on the plane i could follow him and make this little <laughs> palm tree on the ear and he's like oh, that mosquito is really aggressive oh. <laughs> so, after he smacks himself in the face like, the whole week <laughs> I, I think he's still doing it today you, know? <laughs> yeah. you have some flashback of him oh. so uh, that that is all the um, the classic passage that i've been sent, uh, shared through time but at uh, this at cette époque in this Era, epoch? Uh, yeah, at this time, yeah. Yeah, at this time. I was really into uh, boiling of creativity, so I always wanted to come up with some tricks, so I started to invent my own trick. Uh, my inspiration was, was uh, mainly encouraged and inspired by Jim Carrey, because at this uh, period, the uh, end of the 90s, Jim Carrey was really, really like superstar with uh, Ace Ventura, uh, Mask, uh, all the famous Jim Carrey movies. So I remember that I've built... Um, a fragile uh, box, you know, like in uh, Ace Ventura, he's delivering like a Chinese pottery that is all broken inside fragile box. And he's kicking, kicking the box all, uh, all over the place. So I remember that I transformed myself into Ace Ventura to kick a famous box. But where did I did wrong? 
I remember that I did this passage in Sonorabe with Hammer, <laughs> is that I took some real dishes from the kitchen, put it inside the box, and it was making this beautiful noise of when I was kicking it. But what that I didn't expect is that these dishes would really break and fall into powders. And I kicked my box all over the village and there was some broken glass all over the place. And I remember Amr told me that maybe you should stay with the classics. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, since a lot of guests walk barefoot. Sure. Um, but, but let's, Everybody uh, well, yeah, let's, the Gugun well, in well, Bay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah. I love my favorite Quebec word of all time. I first heard this word. At, your, your, at, first, I, your favorite word is gugun. I first, I you know, I've lived in Montreal my whole life. I get to, I'm in Columbus Isle, I think in 98, and I've heard the word gugun for the first time. And I fell on my <laughs> butt laughing because a French a lady GM was going from uh, the dock to the boat and her sandal <laughs> fell off in the water. She goes, Ah, j'ai perdu ma gugun. I lost my gugun. And I went, Ah. As I never heard this word before. So, Gugun is a very funny word, but I think you got your merch now. My yeah, yeah. <laughs> first season Gugun is really what you need to put on, Mr. Greg. Yeah, my first season Guguns. <laughs> first season Gugun. <laughs> All right. Well, you mentioned Hammer. So, you okay, let's go to Sonora because you have, as a GM, you never went to Sonora Bay. So tell me, when you when you get there, were you struck by the natural beauty, the mountains and all that when you first arrived? Totally. You're talking about the beauty of the mountains. Sonora Bay, for those who've never been, it's like the beautiful desert with cactus and the rock brown mountains. I think they shot the movie Zorro in the mountains of Sonora Bay because of its unique desert uh, landscape. It's, it's totally uh, fascinating. And I remember being in the bus. It was so hot. I was sweating. And I remember this geo man that was show, showing me like the environment. <laughs> he really told me, and that is a totally true story. Greg, you've been to Sonora Bay. Yes. So this is a totally true story and you'll remember. And I even think you can Google it. You told me if you look on your left here, you can see the famous Dick Mountain. And then I look on my left and it was this, this real mountain that was dick shaped. And I was, is this made naturally like this? Or it was more of a Maya ritual that is culted to uh, make a, a ritual to the god of the of the copulation the yeah the, yeah <laughs> but i was really amazed about this dick mountain to say oh the, my the, this started pretty rock with the an environment with a dick shaped mountain and i also remember greg i'm sorry i'm really sorry to tell the story but one night i think we're oh. having a beer and i really told my geo friends to say hey guys come on let's walk to the dick mountain go on the top of the dick and we're going to be conquering the mountain and we're going to be maybe the first one. And guys were ready to do it to say, all right, yeah, we're going to do it. And maybe there was one more geos that was a little bit smarter than us and told us, guys, guys, uh, it's a perspective thing. Uh, you know, that's going to be a, a three days walk <laughs> going there to conquer your mountain. And uh, we finally uh, didn't do the project. I, I still have it in mind. Uh, maybe one day I will go back to the dig mountain but uh, that would have been very sad to get lost in the desert. Well, desert. sure. Everybody yeah. would have been searching with copters. Yeah, and they ask you what, what, why, why you did it, and because you, you like this phallic-shaped uh, mountain. Yes. Yeah, yeah, be, that uh, would have been uh, weird yeah. to know what was my motivation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but on the news uh, in Mexico, uh, a guy is lost in the desert trying to conquer the dick mountain. It, yeah. It yeah, would have, have been pretty weird. Yeah, we have another tourist lost trying to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Someone really tried it? 
No, no, I'm, 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 I'm imagining the uh, as a joke. They were saying, "Yeah, okay. yeah, we have another guy, <laughs> another one, another tourist." Okay. I really thought that. I really okay. thought you told me that someone really <laughs> did it, and I was, "Oh no, my dream is break forever. I will never conquer the mountain." Oh no. <laughs> But uh, Google it huh? because I really think uh, we can find it on Google or they might have a, a picture of the famous. Dick well, I, yeah, I might be afraid to Google an image like that. But yeah, maybe later. Not at that work. is pretty yeah. strange. Yeah. Do, when I'll, you get caught on the I'll, Internet, entering I'll, I'll, Google. Yeah, month, just uh, do it. Uh, do it at home, everyone. Not safe for work. OK. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not safe for work. It's pretty, it's pretty hard meant to uh, explain. And uh, no pun intended. OK. If you were at Sonora Bay with Hammer, did he pick you up at the airport like Uria did? In my souvenir, no, Amr was putting uh, everything in order because the, the village was opening at that time. Ah. And uh, I was on the bus with this famous uh, touristic mountain geo <laughs> that we remember. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember that I saw uh, Amr and I went to introduce myself. He was very, very nice guy. And this uh, chef de village, Amr, really, really inspired my life because I remember that we had a meeting with him with all the the geos and all the crew was in place and he really told us here you're going to be uh, eating well making some sports you'll have some memories forever you, you, you'll have everything to, to be fulfilled with everything that will make you feel je me suis perdu dans mon anglais là <laughs> oh, no, it's okay i am i am following you you're doing well <laughs> i remember i remember that Amer told us that we would have everything we need in the village, like taking some sun, making some sports, sharing memories with friends. And, uh, but we would have to take care of the guests and make them feel like what they are um, living here is something unique and make them privileged. So Amr really made us focus on spending some time with the guests all the time. And I really remember that he taught me to always lose yourself and ask first name of the people. Hi, what's your name? Your name is Greg. And then repeat it in your head a few times, because when you're going to be leaving this person at the end of the chat, you're going to say, hey, Greg, what a nice guy. I hope I'm going to see you later this week. And people's going to feel privileged to say, oh, he remembers my name. Oh, wow, he's, he's a real friend. So we, we were always focusing on um, making people really feel unique and privileged and personal. I remember that uh, Amr told me this, um, this thing, always ask first name and remember because it is important to uh, you cannot just say hey what's up buddy hey what's up man people in club med they need to uh, feel um, privilege yes i agree and amer i remember that uh <laughs> he was really counting on me for the dj and the animation and he was uh, also showing me some uh, emceeing with the microphone and uh, because amer is a really good uh, entertainer and mc and he and he taught me a lot Well, you mentioned uh, DJ Christo. I was going to ask you, did you come with your own music? And if you did, what kind of music did you play in the nightclub? Hey, I didn't come up with my music, to tell you the truth, because it's a very hard job to be DJing Club Med. Because some people, they come from L.A. and they say, yeah, come on, so put me some uh, hip hop uh, music. And some other people will go, oh, no, we are like in an exotic place. Let's put some uh, merengue and So you have to please everybody with all kinds of music. So it's pretty hard. And I remember that I had my MC Mario, which is a famous DJ in Montreal, that had his techno already mixed CD. So I can put the CD like for one hour or two hour. And I remember exactly where were the mixed in the song. So I would go back to my booth, put my, my uh, 
headset. And at this moment, I would boom, 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 and everybody would go, oh, wow, he mixed so well and so tight. But the secret behind the mix is MC Mario Party <laughs> Mix 98. <laughs> so now everybody knows the secret. They're all going to say, oh, he didn't mix for real. This is fraud. And MC Mario is going to call me to tell me, come on, you're going to get me money. 22 years I've been waiting. <laughs> Give me back my due. Were you were you were you pretending to mix? Like, did you have your uh, one shoulder on your left ear and yeah, your hands were yeah, okay? Sure. Nice, nice. Left, left shoulder yeah, playing yeah. with <laughs> balance button, you know, and always have one uh, and in the air, you know, like David Guetta style. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all in the presentation. All right, but the well, mix itself was totally MC Mario behind the man. It's like the Mili Vanelli scandal. You know, MC Mario is behind the man, behind <laughs> Crystal. Well, if you were at Sonora Bay with Hammer, was Boone there at the same time? Did you work with Boone at Waterski? Or no, or he Boone, came later? What a legendary guy, Boone. Okay. I loved him so much. Okay, we so you did meet. Some du- we were making some duo together because Boone was into comedy also as well. Yes. And I remember that we had this uh, Western cowboy kind of uh, sketch. You know, I, I, I have all my VHS uh, cassette. VHS. Yes, it's a cassette that you put like in a video recorder. Yeah, yeah we have to explain that to the, the, yeah, the, the new people. No, it's for your young crowd. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's a box. But I think <laughs> I think I have my uh, VHS box with some of my duo with Boone. And it, it was a very, very funny guy. And we were, that was a very um, fun thing about being the entertainer is that you always wanted to ask someone to say, hey, come in this uh, skit. It's going to be a uh, very fun. Uh, you just have to dress up like that. Uh, yeah, you're going to be the naked guy. Okay. So uh, you always wanted to recruit someone of the, of the staff to make a passage with you. <laughs> and I remember in Cancun, we were making some mobsters like uh, the Godfather. So people, before going on a boat for an excursion, we were coming like mobster. And there was a guy that was visibly like a, a guy that we were eliminating, that throwing him out of the boat. And this, <laughs> there was this geo named Panther. He was the set designer. And he was the one that I was recruiting for this. Uh, Panther, can we put you in a bag and throw you out of the boat again this week? You don't mind? All right, all right, for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask you about Cancun. Now, did you go to Cancun from Sonora Bay? I went, uh, no, the, the real story is that I uh, ended up my, my season in Sonora Bay. And after that, go back to the famous girlfriend. Oh, really? Travel all around, all around us. Because people uh, ask, Wait, have to wh- know that when you. Wh- where did you travel? I'm sorry. I traveled over the U.S. I went to the West oh. Coast. I went to uh, Las Vegas, L.A., there was one of the movie, a movie producer that I met in Club Med. I was putting on a project that I met in Beverly Hills one night. So I went for all kinds of, the, the series never got through. But um, I remember having this uh, big, uh, this uh, West Coast trip. And after that, I've been hired by other resort that I won't tell the name, but a big branded resort. And it was never like the same mentality as Club Med. Because Club Med is always based on, getting in touch with the others, sharing your meals with the others. It is always a big fraternity, community, community vacation. When you go to other resorts and people haven't been to Club Med, it's not always the same thing. You're, you're not saying hi to everyone and it's a, a totally different mentality. So this is why I, 
I didn't have that, that same um, that same fun and that same experience. And I finally got back to Club Med to Cancun with Hammer that uh, was for another six-month season in Cancun. I remember having a lot of fun there also in Cancun. Did you call him up or you went through HR and you just happened to be in Cancun with Hammer? That is a very uh, strange uh, story, uh, Mr. Greg. <laughs> I think that as I As long as it's appropriate. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, non-PG-13 <laughs> well, story. Well, what year is Cancun now? As if you did Sonora in 98, was Cancun 99? Cancun, Cancun was in 99 okay. with Hammer. And I remember that I had my uh, Millennium Party. We passed to the 2000 ah, uh, in okay. Cancun. So, so you were Y2K in Cancun. I was Y2K in Cancun and we were expecting the bug, but we didn't have yes. really any computer there. Maybe yeah. only one fax yeah, machine. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody was around the fax machine and finally the letter got through. So yeah. uh, everything was okay. Oh, good. <laughs> but, I remember this big party. And uh, in, in Cancun, there was... Um, I remember that uh, Amr was giving me a lot more opportunity to perform. So I was doing a lot of shows... Um, my inspiration at that moment was French uh, comedian Michel Courtemange oh, that was yeah. doing a lot of no, no words kind of sketch. So I remember that I was really uh, learning all the numbers that I was performing, like the drummer, which, which is one of the famous Michel Courtemange number. Yeah. I was doing the samurai, uh, the circus. So all the en entire oeuvre um, of yeah. Michel Courtemange, I, all, I think I did most of his sketch on the big stage of Club Med. Did he do the uh, photo booth one too? Was that him? Were the photos not uh, coming yes, out? Yes, Was I that him? I remember that, that uh, I didn't do this number, but Michel oh, okay. Courtemange did the photo booth thing. Okay. So now I'm going to have Michel Courtemange asking for his uh, due and MC Mario. They're going to do right. both of them and knocking yeah. on my door soon. <laughs> did, you rip, did you rip off Mitsu also? <laughs> okay. Um, no. Okay. <laughs> but I remember that I was doing a lot more stage time. Okay. And um, I had a, a skit that was very, very fun. I was making a parody of Evil Dead 2. So I was fighting with my own end. And this is one of the number that I've brought on the big stage because after that, I, I made some Just for Laugh gala, which was the, the TV shows of Just for Laugh. And I took this, um, this presentation that, that, that I made initially in Club Med that was shown up on TV after the famous uh, fight with my end. I remember that. Okay. And, in, uh, yeah. In the movie, uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, yes, his, hand, Bruce Campbell. His, his hand becomes possessed and starts trying to attack him. Right. Exactly, man. Okay. And my hand was really possessed and uh, I never really won over my hand. It uh, <laughs> always ended up that I was seriously uh, bruised. I, I took it very, very seriously when it was time to fight <laughs> with my hand. So you, you know would, when, you, you would uh, you would hurt yourself for comedy basically. There was so many times that I really hurt myself, and I remember one time it was in Sonora Bay. There was like this cactus kind of inside, um, like uh, in the middle of the restaurant. There was like a beautiful place with many many cactus, and I was doing the sketch that I was having a date with an invisible woman. And when I was getting in the restaurant with her, everything was fine. We were sitting on the table in the middle of all those cactus. And while we are talking to each other, she's totally invisible. Like she, she, she doesn't exist. Then we start to argue for, for a reason. And at a moment, this girl, she, she's really crazy, uh, a real crazy type. She gives me like this uppercut, like, and I would like jump in the air. 
And I was totally like uh, focused on what I was doing. And I forgot that there was some cactus. And I literally fell in all the, the cactus. <laughs> and I had me, Greg, for real, I had some big and like little teeny, teeny needles all over my body and my neck, my arms, my hand. And for months, I, it was like acupuncture, but uh, with no therapy uh, <laughs> yeah. focus. Okay. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody asked me, is, is there something you want to work on with all those needles? And the <laughs> infirmière at that time, Sandra, I remember she took uh, eyebrows, a little uh, pince uh, tw tw Tweezers, yes. Tweezers. Yeah. Oh, tweezers. tweezers. My English word of good. Okay. The same of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tweezers. <laughs> and she took off all the, the needle, but I had to go back like every day for weeks. I think I still have some today that are hiding somewhere. That was uh, uncool. I also, I also destroyed my eardrum falling in the water. Like I was doing, um, um, I was doing like a Charlie Chaplin kind of skit that I passed through the, the gate and pow, fall in the water. My eardrum was totally destroyed. So you fell, you fell on your on your ear on the water, right? Is that what happened? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Smacked, and I, you smacked and it your really, ear. Really hurt. Yeah. So now when I'm listening to MC Mario, I, I don't have any. <laughs> I'm missing bass on one side of MC. Is he Mario. still? Is MC Mario still around? Just uh, we're gonna question. hear about him soon. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get sued. Okay. <laughs> we're gonna hear about okay. MC Mario right after this uh, okay. broadcast. This podcast. <laughs> we we love you. We love you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember that uh, and everybody really got me with their solution when I got out of the water jump on your feet so put your hands on the side have a tequila shot try everything that I could oh, but wait, I was, wait wait is this the club bed remedy is for everything is have a tequila shot right? have a tequila shot for any problem you <laughs> yeah, have yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't enough at that time because it was really uh, performed and uh, like destroyed I remember that really hurt because I got half of my body that was paralyzed. That was a pretty uh, sad adventure. I, I always tried things that I didn't really, uh, I always tried things that I never really think before. Uh, is this dangerous? Uh, am I going to get hurt? So I remember that I jumped from a bridge and Cancun and jumped from the bridge on a boat that was going on a picnic. So, uh, Ooh, yes, there was I, like, oh, so that yeah, guy, I, I really, know exactly, I know exactly where you're, you're talking about. You did that. I did that. And uh, I was trying, ugly. I was trying to, uh, reach the boat. And after that, the guy of the water ski would take me in his boat. And I was trying to jump from the boat to another one. And okay. then you're going to say, okay, but this is totally illegal in America. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, before today, nobody <laughs> we were pretty far away when we were doing this okay and i remember greg that i lost trying to to jump from a boat to another i was inspired by ken reeve and all kinds of action movies like, you know I'm, my, my mentality was always oh yes i can do it i lost my oakley glasses like the gold edition like the 90s gold oakley edition and i asked the scuba guy to say we got to go in this lagoon and search for my glasses i really meant to I really need to find them back. And he told me, yeah, but there's an alligator that is like uh, running yeah. around in the lagoon. And Albert, I say, like, Albert. Albert, Albert was yeah. there. And then we went with the scuba guy meant to try to find my, um, my glasses. You and did? I remember that there was a guy with a boat around us that was making some noise with the engine. So Albert won't come. 
And uh, finally, uh, we didn't find the glasses. And I think that uh, Albert is, uh, is wearing them today. <laughs> My yeah. famous Oakley that I never found back. <laughs> I'm pretty sad about it. Wow. So, uh, that's it. Let me just tell this story. It's very, very funny. You're going to like it, this one. Okay, sir, let's hear the story. There was a lot of uh, classic passage and uh, sketch. That I remember one of the classic sketch that was taught to me. And I'm sure, Greg, you remember this one guys and people were going out of the restaurant and then I would take a guy that was like a magician and would ask people to come at a table, show a magic trick. So people were focused by the magician. But while the magician was doing his trick, I was under the table with a tablecloth and I was painting the toenails of oh, all the guys. Yes. Girls, we don't need to do it. It's already done. <laughs> But, yeah, I remember this one. I love this one. Yeah, because guys don't have a sensation. So when you brush their toenails with some fuchsia pink, My light fuchsia pink uh, was my uh, favorite painting. Guys don't have any sensation. So this is why you paint the entire toenails of all the village and you let the guy go to the beach and go for their, their activity. After that, you go for a rest and the joke happened by itself. There's always going to be a guy that's going to say, <laughs> look at your toenails, they're pink. And then you too. Oh, oh me too. Oh, oh. So <laughs> it was like creating great confusion with all the guys having their uh, pink toenails. And one day, and this is a totally true story, huh? because Amr will certify it to you. Amr's come to me one day and tell me, Christo, there's a guy, man, that is totally traumatized because you painted his toenail. I say, okay, traumatized, uh, I'll traumatize. He's in his room. He don't want to go out. <laughs> you need to go see him and apologize and tell him it was a joke. And I was really, oh, oh, the guy is in his room and he don't want to go out. So I was like tr trying to understand the psychology under that. And Greg, we understand maybe the guy was like a total masculine alpha dog redneck that saw his feet with the toenail and say, oh, no, it's, it's I cannot have color on my toes. It's such a big trahison. So I don't know what happened in his head, but he wasn't going out of his room. And then I told Amr, why don't he put just socks, uh, put shoes or take a little uh, knife and uh, scratch it off so, and yeah, continue some, your life? The acetone, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> nail, nail polish remover, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Nail polish remover wasn't available at that moment. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I really told Amr, you really want me to go see the guy and apologize for the toenail? Yeah, it is really serious. He wants to sue Clamed. Sue Clomed for toenails. Yep. And uh, what is what is the purpose exactly? And he told me uh, for uh, the guy was <laughs> really traumatized, like uh, his morality was touched. And I was like, well, which lawyer will represent you say, to say, uh, oh, my client uh, had toenails pink. He couldn't play volleyball during his week. He had to stop his karate career because everybody would laugh at him. So I was really uh, confused to say, how could the guy would sue? Clement for a joke like this. And uh, Julie's wife, uh, Julie Amher's wife, Julie, went into Cancun Village. She bought a bottle of remover. And I remember, Greg, that I've made a little uh, ruban, you know, like uh, to make a good presentation of, like the, a, a of the bottle. Yeah, ribbon. I went yeah. to knock on the door. The guy appeared and I saw his little hand <laughs> grab the remover. I really apologize, apologize to him to say, I'm really, really sorry that you uh, took that joke wrong. And uh, I hope your, your feet will be brand new after this operation. Come back. We're having a party. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And uh, 
Okay, so we, you're saying uh, it wasn't he wasn't six foot five motorcycle rider, the guy like you were thinking. He was uh, short and. Uh, I remember the end. Oh, okay. That's all you. Of... That's all you saw. Okay. <laughs> but did the hand have some motorcycle logo tattoo? Mm, <laughs> I don't remember. Okay. Okay. So you never saw. You never saw him. Yeah. Okay. But it's 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 very special to imagine someone that can just take a gag wrong because uh, in his mentality he couldn't accept looking at his own feet with some pink fuchsia. And today we understand that in in the 2022. Probably guys would I say, oh, thank you. I won't have to put some by myself. Thank you. Yes. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I remember that this guy being very, very upset. And I, there was a joke also that I was doing. People will come up in the restaurant on the first day. And I would introduce myself as the restaurant manager. Say, hi, welcome to Club Med. And then they will eat after dessert. And <laughs> after they're done, I would come up with a bill, like a $220 bill. Hey, it's not a, an inclusive, all-inclusive resort. Oh, no, no, no. I think you got it wrong. Oh, no. Did the travel manager told us that everything was inclusive? Oh, I think uh, you've been fraud because it's not all-inclusive. We have a $200 bill here you have to uh, fix right now. I would look on the table if they would have taken some salt and then I would add it on the bill. Did they take some sugar? Oh, you took some sugar also. So that's going to be add on the bill. And people would get very, very upset to think that, oh, am I going to get charged for well, that? Well, yeah, this is why I've never heard of this, this uh, passage, this sketch ever. Because it never had been done again. <laughs> and <laughs> Exactly. Because I can imagine how angry people must have gotten with you. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Amor always add to tempered and go and come uh, fix the broken thing yeah, 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 yeah. all the time <laughs> oh wow okay no it, it is funny but you know when you present a bill of that that amount yes i could see how it turned ugly really fast okay yeah but it was totally a joke but oh yeah no i know when they, when they are totally absorbed yeah and they think that it's it's really like this They, they, they don't see it as a joke at all. Even when you tell them yeah. it's a joke, they like, no, 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 we're not going to pay. Uh, no, yeah, it's yeah. all inclusive. <laughs> yes, but we're still not going to pay. Okay, okay. I think you'll talk to my boss now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not the boss. Uh, no, it's, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the animator. Okay. <laughs> I'm supposed to make you laugh. <laughs> but you, you know, Greg, that uh, we're, we're having a discussion together. And uh, the, the real thing is that Tricks in the past years of Club Med, some were really, really uh, intense. Like I remember when I was a teenager and I went to Watsulko, the first animator joke that I saw, it was a policeman that was coming uh, at a dinner table and then he founded some some pot, some marijuana in like the beach bag of a guy. And the guy was like offended to say, no, no. Oh, yes. Huh? So you're working with Pablo Escobar. Okay, so you're going to follow me and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it yeah. was a joke. But I don't think that in the recent years, you're going to find that type of joke. No, 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 no. <laughs> But, um, uh, listen, listening to your, your stories, I'm, I'm curious. Could I ask you a, a current question? Yeah, sure. Hey, Greg. Yes. And sorry to interrupt you, but I had a flashback that I have to tell you right now. Okay, let's hear it. Because when I talked to you about this policeman that finds some drugs in the bag, I remember that in Cancun, I had this very, very funny joke that I think that I'm in the only one in the story of Club Med that really did it. 
And sometimes girls on the beach, they were doing some monokini, which is a totally normal practice for some European mostly. And I remember that I went as a policeman on the beach and give fine to girls that were making some monokini. Like if I was a Mexican uh, policeman and say, oh, tenemos problema en la playa, huh? monokinito. You mean, este... Sorry, Chris, you mean to say that you were giving fines if they were topless? Is that what you mean? I was getting fined if they were topless. Uh, okay. Some people were really thinking... <laughs> The understood it was a joke because I was talking on my walkie-talkie with like my superior and tenemos una problema en la playa prostitución los mameles son grande and the girl wouldn't understand that it was like a reception kind of club med recipe uh, <laughs> giving them a fight oh okay so did they put the top did they put their tops back on sometimes I had to put it with the matrack with the stick The, okay. the wooden yeah. stick the, the baton. Yeah. with the baton de policier yeah. I had to uh, try to put it okay. myself okay. but uh, like I said it was always in a more open mind world uh, at that time mm-hmm, Mr. Okay. Gray, yeah. old school well speaking of the current time I'm, I'm, can I take a guess like are, did this uh, did you continue your career like you seem like you're uh, very like a humorist so Did you continue this kind of work in Montreal? Yes, yes. When I when I finished Club Med, yes, I started to uh, work as a comedian, doing bars, clubs, and cabaret. And I was really inspired by my um, my Club Med experience because um, I'm I'm really doing some interactive shows that I would take uh, the audience, bring them on stage, uh, costume them. So uh, they can perform on my side. And this is really a method that I learned from Club Med with the, with the interactive shows. But I continued this method. And I really remember how that I invented. It was in Paradise Island. We were making some uh, movie quiz, like movie trivia. And I remember that I was asking, okay, do you recognize this movie song? And it was, for example, James Bond. And then the guy would answer, James Bond. Oh, you're right. We got a winner. And I would give him like a, a $10 beautiful a pina colada cocktail. And at a moment I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to start to work a little bit more for that cocktail. So because of James Bond, you're going to pretend being James Bond, you're going to escape from a bomb and I want you to jump right straight in the pool. And then I saw like instantly how people were <clears throat> ready for the price and for the show to give themselves and to abandon themselves. So the guy jumped in the pool like if he was James Bond. And after that, I started like to put the method a little bit further. Okay, uh, we're looking for a horror movie song. Okay, so everybody, you're going to become living uh, dead and you're going to go around this person and, blah, blah, and, and eat her up. So people would do it. And then, okay, we're going to make the Titanic. Everybody, you're going to become the water and you're going to be body surfing like a jack on the water. And I started from a very, very novice or... Um, How do you say that? It, it came up like very lightly from a James Bond song and some very, very light uh, stunt with the audience. And uh, after that, in Montreal, in the Gala Juste Pour I completely transformed the entire audience, like 2,000 people. And I even, even done some uh, 10,000. I, I really did a profession of uh, manipulating giant and very, very impressive crowds. And, and you this know, is, Greg, yeah, I, I, I just want to translate because every you said just pour rire, but everyone knows the Montreal Festival just for laughs. So yes, it's, in it's Espanol is uh, justo para rigola. Yeah. 
uh, world renowned. No, no, okay. Not true. No, okay. I, I, I already believe you. Okay, you're gonna make me do anything. <laughs> just a rigola. Okay, yeah, okay. just for just for laugh a festival. Yes, and um, you, you you know that I was um, I was really uh, winning my life a little bit, uh, doing some streets animation, and uh, I, I also worked for Club Med in Montreal. There was the Club Med World that yes. I was doing some animation there, also in the club in on Saint Catherine Street. So I was really of a street type performer, and uh, at a moment I. Uh, Uh, met one of my mentors at that time is one of the famous comedian here in Montreal, uh, Patrick Huard. And he's the one that took me uh, on his aisle. And we put on a big, big, big show that was on Just for Laugh. And I started a career with this specific number. I was fighting my hand and I was controlling the crowd. It was called the rock star number. So I, I'm going to open my VHS uh, box and uh, put it as a link on your... Um, Yes. Well, your, you, your you have a uh, you have also have a, you also have a YouTube channel, correct? I can. Um, I have YouTube channel. I can, I, but not, yes. No, but I could add I could add that link to your episode. Yes, yes, sure. So but that famous number, I'm going to uh, get you the link to see that famous moment. Okay. Okay. Great. And this is what uh, started my career. And after that, I got some uh, TV shows. I got my radio show, and I started a career in the beginning of the 2000 from 2003 to 2000, uh, maybe eight or nine. And after that, I, uh, my career went a little bit more down and I continue to do some bar. And now today I'm in a totally uh, new field. I'm making some uh, advertising now. Oh, nice. So Club Med really uh, taught me a method that I uh, made uh, ev evolute. J'ai découvert une méthode que j'ai fait moi-même évoluer. Puis yeah. uh, c'est vraiment le Club Med qui m'a inspiré dans ma comédie. It was Club Med that... Uh... Club yes. Med that inspired you in your comedy. So you took what you learned. In yeah, you sound like a, like a sport uh, MC that translates uh, from the tennis player yeah. that speaks Russian. <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's a high fly ball to center field. <laughs> I'm really surprised. I don't, I don't speak English very, very often. That sometimes there's some words missing and I get very, very nervous. But uh, well, well, yeah. Can I ask you a quick question about that? Because um, when you started Club Med, okay, I mean, I'm an I'm an English, English Montreal. You're 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 a French uh, Montrealer. Did you have any problems with the language when you first encountered a, a Français de France? So, because the languages are so different, even though you speak French and they speak French, did you have any miscommunication when you? No, no, not oh, really. Okay. I, I had a I had a problem with the French uh, de France with the, this uh, madame that didn't have the beach view enough close oh, oh yeah. <laughs> in her room. I will ah, always remember that. She yes. opened her door yes. and she say like, mais uh, la mère, uh, elle a vu? Ben, je dis, elle est là, la mère, vous la voyez? Non, mais on nous avait dit vraiment que la mère était... The girl, uh, we, we could see the ocean from her, yes. her view, but, but she was really expecting the wave to yes. splash in, in her bed. Yeah, no? she, but she was far. <laughs> she was far back from the beach, right? Yeah, I know. I, she, she was yeah. not enough close. She wanted to dive straight from her balcony, you know, like whoosh, yeah, in like the in, ocean. Uh, like in Tahiti, where you just yes, jump. yes. This is what okay. she was expecting. But uh, okay. seriously, no. Uh, okay. I, I was uh, French people uh, are very very nice and very party people. But uh, for the Quebecois, we always transform ours. Um, je vais, je vais laisser faire la femme, là. Euh, je vais reprendre ma phrase, Greg. Oui, oui. Pour les Québécois, quand nous parlons avec les Français de France, 
we automatically like absorb a little bit their their accent. Yes. Like we we on commence toujours à bien parler français quand on parle avec des amis français, so we don't have to repeat. Yes. And when you get close and we're starting to have a little drink together, uh, we, we adjust and we 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 come back some good old uh, Quebecois from uh, downtown. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I do. I do. I did the same thing, too. It's funny. My accent without me knowing would change when if I was at a table of, of French or Quebecois, my accent would just change. Uh, I didn't even think about it anymore. You know? Yes. Yes. But it, me, I absorb all the accent. When I speak with anyone that has an accent, I'm always like absorb, like if I would speak exactly like them. And uh, maybe I, I should find my own style. You know? <laughs> But most of the time, a lot of people say that I have the voice of uh, MC Mario. Oh, nice. <laughs> we, got, we, got, we never we, heard MC Mario. <laughs> I think nobody knows his voice. We only know the beat. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe people's going to listen to this podcast and he's going to suddenly start to sell thousands of album That's right. and my career is back <laughs> make, <laughs> make, I, make sure you give Cristo 10% though okay <laughs> yeah but no but we're gonna be even yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna say well you stole my material but now I'm selling back so okay shake and have a tequila <laughs> All right, let's take a quick moment. So I'd like to know if there's any employees or managers like that stood out for you in a positive way that, you know, you, you clicked um, with, if you could, if you wouldn't mind uh, mentioning, yeah, them, if, sure. you, if, you want, if you want to, of course, it's up to you. So many people, uh, Amr, of course, that taught me a lot. Kevin Bat, that was my uh, chief of village in Paradise Island, is someone that uh, taught me a lot. He was a very like directive type of chief of village. I remember all the VIPs coming in the village at Paradise Island and he would say, Crystal, come here. Crystal, be funny. <laughs> like if I was a robot, Crystal, yeah, yeah. be funny. <laughs> so that can be a, a little frightening, but you know, I was, I was able to deal with stress. So let's be funny. But Kevin was a real friend, someone that I like very much. My sound designer, everybody of the animation team, True Time, Patrick Burke, that you really should invite on your podcast, is a famous sound desi designer that is working for Cirque du Soleil today, thinking about, yes, Boone, of course. There's so many faces that appear in my, in my head. My roommate, Valentino, the, Bil the Bulgarian guy. That, that is so nice that you meet people from all around the world. And with Facebook now, we're finding each other again to say, hi, where you're at now. Uh, Suzanne from New York that I made this uh, video game sketch with her. She was the aerobic geo. So many, many people that comes to my head. But, you know, Clomed, it has something totally magic when you think about all those beautiful friendship you had. But I remember that it gets into your, uh, your art sometimes that people come for a week You have fun, you party with them. Sometimes you fall in love. You have like best bromance for that are really intense. And then they go back on the bus, leave. People would come back from the same plane that they're getting back on. And they don't know what you've been living this week. And you've been starting again, new friends, new friendship, new memories. Sometimes you, very, you really feel to say, oh, that is so uh, intense and uh, sometimes heartbreaking. I think that would be the rough part of Club Med. But when you think about all those uh, friendship and memories, you have some beautiful souvenirs of saying, uh, uh, wow, this, this person was really meaning meaningful. You, you asked me this question, if I remember people, and there's hundreds and thousands of people that come to my mind that I had parties and beautiful memories with them. And you know something, Greg? Yes, sir. 
you know something? I remember that when I told you that I was crying and the bus leaving when I was a GM myself. Yes. When I became a GO, it was part of my of my task that I that I said to myself, now I'm going to be the one that's going to make you cry when you're going to be leaving. <laughs> and I remember that in the in Cancun, there was like a light switch. I'm sure you remember that. A light switch with the music at the departure. And when people were leaving, someone would put on the, the, the switch and then the exotic music would start like a soca party sur la plage, soca. And people would be waving in in the bus. They are going away. And at the minute, you don't see them anymore because they're too far away. Soca Music would stop. <laughs> and then you would hear the beach and the ocean. Village is completely desert. Then you have a little moment for you to rest because it is totally empty. And then at another moment, someone would, would put the switch on. Ole, ole, ole. <laughs> and then another bus is coming in. Everybody's ready for another big week of adventure and partying. So people that have been GOs remember how strong you have to be with your emotion to, to keep on. Keep yes, on. Sir. Yes, sir. Keep on we rocking. Will you permit me one last question, sir? Go ahead. Because, because at the start, you said the word magic, and that's a that's a key word with me. So of, of, of all the resorts you worked at, was there one that you say was magical? Was it your first one because it was your first one? Or did you just like them all in different ways? I really think that the most magic village for me is, is definitely Playa Blanca. Playa Blanca is a, is a legendary village for any GMs or GOs that have been to this village will remember that it had something unique because it was small. It was a, it was a real party village at the time. And uh, I have some memories of, um, of a lot of other village. But you know what? Sometime, Greg, I'm walking in a random place and I will have a smell of something that will remember me of Playa Blanca village. I can't tell what it is. It is like a special combination. It's uh, the ocean mixed with drinks and uh, pina colada and the suntan. I cannot explain what is this memory smell that I uh, come to my mind sometime, but sometime walking somewhere and I say, oh, it smells Playa Blanca village. And it smells good nostalgia and memories. One day I would love them to go back to this village, even if it's not Clement anymore, just to go see it and say it was there. And right after, where do I go? To the Dick Mountain to climb it. Okay. With who? With MC Mario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Wow. Okay. Well, we, we, we can't get better than that. So we'll probably. That, is, that is one we'll, of my, uh, it's my life goal. We'll, you know? we'll probably. Well, I want to, I do want to thank you, Christo, so much for coming on today and sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. I'm very, very happy that I shared this with you, Greg. And I'm a very, very nervous guy speaking English, but I learned some uh, new words today, like a uh, twiddle, twiddle. <laughs> Tweezers. Ah, tweezers. <laughs> tweezers. <laughs> I no didn't problem. even master it. Okay, that's okay. So, uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, so I will uh, prefer Gugun. I will okay. use Gugun. <laughs> so thank you very much for that uh, beautiful moment. I was expecting it. I was very, very anxious. You're a very, very nice guy, Greg. If anyone asks me one day, uh, do you have some uh, people of Club Med that are, are meaning to you? I will answer, ah, oh, yes, Greg, the MC. <laughs> You're thank very, you. very nice. Very warm fall and very encouraging. I love your show and uh, I'll be listening to all the other episodes. Thank you very much, Mr. Greg. 
All right, everyone. And, and I address a beautiful salutation to all my ex-geo friends around the world. Une belle salutation à tous. À bientôt, tout le monde. Well, that was Mr. Christo from Montreal. We'll see you all next week, everyone. Bye. Say bye, Christo. Au revoir. <laughs>